everyone, and welcome to I Hope I Can Make It Through, a Degrassi viewing podcast. I am your veteran, Donnie. I'm your neophyte, Frank. And today we're taking a look at Degrassi, The Next Generation, Season 2, Episode 14, Careless Whisper. Now, to help us through this episode, we have two very special guests, one of which is our unofficial, official co-host, Gwyn. So, hi, Gwyn. You! Yay! And today we have a very another special guest that's going to be here, as I said. Um, this person is a Degrassi veteran. Um, they also actually have a degree in film studies, so that is always a welcomed expertise <laughs> here. Um, and they're also just a really good pal and someone who's been very supportive of this podcast as soon as it's been on their radar. So please give a warm welcome to our buddy, Sid. Yay! Yay! Sid, 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 Yay! Sid, 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 Sid. I'm so excited to be here. We're so excited to have you. So, Sid, you are a veteran. I mean, we've had pretty extended conversations about the show together um, via DM yes. and other fun stuff. But I actually don't really know your origin story with Degrassi. So what started your relationship with it? Okay, so my relationship with Degrassi started with uh, my sister watched it, and we weren't good friends, so I would sneak around the corner of the living room and watch it over the corner of the door so that I could just, like, catch up on what was happening with the Degrassi kids, and then eventually, when I got a TV in my own room, then I was all about it. I watched Degrassi for uh, many, many years. <laughs> awesome. Um, so before we get too far into talking about this and picking apart this episode, we do want to <laughs> stick a content warning on this one. Um, which is that this is going to be an episode that deals with a lot of homophobia, both internalized homophobia and outward homophobia. Um, and we're also going to be discussing the use of homophobic slurs. Um, we're not going to say them. We're going to, particularly one, we're just going to call the F slur. Um, it's not really our, we don't feel comfortable. It's not our word to reclaim. That's just period. That's all there is to it. Um, old enough. Or, yeah, I mean, it's just not, it's just not a word that we feel comfortable reclaiming, nor should we. Um, so for the sake of this episode, we are going to be referring to it as the F slur, but you could probably figure out which word we are talking about um, if you thought longer than a second about it. So just wanted to put those content warnings out of the way um, before we talk about this one. Um, so... Sid, if you could please give us a brief summary of our A plot and our B plot. Yes. Is, is it okay if I start with the B plot just to get it out of the way? Go for it. Um, okay. So the B plot is Kendra is feeling overwhelmed in her relationship to Toby, who has poor concepts of boundaries and isn't smothering her and kind of forcing her into hanging out with him and just being around him more than she would like. And the eighth plot is that Ellie is hoping to become more than friends with Marco, but Marco is struggling with feelings that he's having for the other boys in his grade who also are bullying him for this very fact. Very succinct. Thanks, Sid. Yeah, thanks. That was wow. Like a, that, was like a, that was like a voiceover narrator there. Good job. That was really good. I, well. <laughs> sorry. 
I wrote them out in advance. <laughs> That's okay. There you go. It, it feels like last time on Degrassi. Yeah, basically. And here we are. So I know I should really, as the person who's the the one who kind of moves this along, I really should just decide in general ahead of time whether or not we should do the A plot or B plot first. Um, so, folks, what are we thinking? A plot or B plot? I think, as always, the A plot has a lot of stuff to unpack in it, so B plot first, I'd say. Alright, so our B-plot is a Toby and Kendra uh, B-plot, which, by the way, kicks in so late in this episode. Yeah, I literally thought there was a B-plot before the B-plot arrived, and I was just thrown off. Yeah. There's a lot of plots happening in this episode. I was hoping the B-plot was just going to be like a day in the life of Dr. Sally. Right? Ah, <laughs> oh, she's if so only. good. I love Dr. Sally. She's yeah. the real MVP here. But, um, yeah, so that's not actually, so the B-plot is actually, okay, so we're in media immersion, because we're always in media immersion, and Kendra's in class, and Toby appears kind of at the window, um, and (laughs) so Gwen hadn't seen Kendra yet, and I was like, oh, and Gwen's like, who's that? And I was like, oh yeah, it's Kendra! (laughs) Um, this is Spinner's, you know, Spinner's sister and everything, and I'm like, oh, and, like, you know, she was introduced, she was really into anime, and Gwyn just mumbles she looks like she would be into anime. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I did say that. Okay, so we need a new thing called Gwyn's Hot Takes, for every time you see a new character, you're, like, just knee-jerk reaction to them. <laughs> oh, I like Kendra quite a lot, but she's definitely an anime freak. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because... I said that like I'm not myself, so like, yeah. whatever. Because <laughs> I also just loved your immediate reaction to Sean. Oh. <laughs> well, I was wrong. I mean, here we are now in this episode. We'll get to that later, but... Yeah. No, Gwen has like these snap judgments that sometimes you get on the podcast, but sometimes you sometimes they happen behind the scenes. But that was one that I like wrote down in my notes because we were watching the episode together. Um, but yeah, so like Toby makes like a like you know kind of makes like a little flirty face at first, but like it escalates into him making out with the goddamn window. Oh my god, I must have looked down first. I didn't even see that. Oh, he's the worst. <laughs> It's just so creepy. Yeah, like, bold, in the sense that, like, okay, fine, you want to make kissy faces at your girlfriend. Okay, like, that's gross sometimes, but, like, okay, I get it. But, like, it's bold of you to subject 20 students and, like, a teacher into your weird-ass, like, flirting. Plus... You, it's a school that window is covered in disease. Yeah. And also, Donnie, you know, we've had some issues over text message where you're not sure of my tone, so I wanted you to be face-to-face to say this. I will never forgive you for making me see that scene. <laughs> <laughs> hey, buddy, like, I'm sorry I didn't remember every wretched time, like, Toby does something that's disgusting. <laughs> I'm sorry I blocked it out. If only I could. I know. <laughs> it's fine. It's, I'm, I'm sorry. I did not like watching it either. I was not enjoying myself because it's disgusting. And then, like, Snake obviously handles it like Snake does best, which is just like, he, like, rolls down the blinds. <laughs> He's just like, uh, and, mm. 
does he just know who everyone is dating he's just like kendra your boyfriend he can speak to me later do you want the hot teacher like no like insight yes you want the hot teacher yes of course it's so easy to find out who is dating who it is very very easy it i'm not a teacher who liked to know so i would yell at my kids if they told me so like a lot of kids would tell me about their relationships but not tell me who they were with because i didn't want to know because i taught them but a lot of teachers have like somebody to give them the gossip so in snake's case it's probably emma uh, so yeah. he could easily ask Emma, "Hey Emma, who's dating who?" And Emma will will report back. Do you think Emma's someone to tell him though? Emma's a narc. No, I'm <laughs> I mean she is, but is she a relationship narc? I mean, I feel has like if gotten, it was I Toby. Mean, I okay. I didn't see White Wedding, but has she gotten over that like nonsense that happened that episode? Because there was like a big blowout, if I remember correctly just from oh peripheral from snake listening oh between snake and emma oh i don't think the grassy writers care about the fact that they had a man yell at a child like that i don't think they care uh, i'm sure she's come home complaining about having to see it yeah like especially if he is bold enough to do that in front of a classroom i am sure she has gotten more than enough of that that he's, he's so embarrassing yeah. Like, that's all I have about him. He's just embarrassing. I mean, it's and, like, true. I get it. You're, how old are you? 13? 12. 12? He's 12 or 13. Thir yeah. Well, he's in 8th grade now, so 13, yeah. 14? Yeah, so I was right. Yeah. Anyway, I get it, but, but also, don't. Please just don't. And, so anyway, Snake, Snake, I think that the lines here I had written down, um, he says to Kendra, tell your boyfriend class is my time, not his time. Oof. <laughs> Which is a very teacher thing. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, okay, I, I, okay apparently, Donnie's been telling me I've been hating on Snake quite a lot. And I do want to say this episode, he was very good. Wow. Resounding applause from he was, Gwyn. He, 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 he did some teacher moments. He still, like, tripped over his feet and embarrassed himself in front of the class. But, you know, like, he's trying to teach. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's trying, but it's... Ugh, I hate this stuff. Because, like, I don't have anything else. You know what? Honestly, I actually was coming down a little on Snake when I watched this. Because I was like, don't call out Kendra in front of everyone for this. It's yeah. Toby's problem. And that's true. Like, I think that while... Like, I think that... Pulling down the blinds was not a bad idea, but I think the best, probably the best way to handle it was just to, like, step kind of halfway outside the door and just be like, Toby, like, go to fuck the class. Maybe, maybe the <laughs> I thought the exact same thing, because yeah. that, that would totally be what, like, in my high school, they'd be like, get to class! <laughs> but, like, that's the thing, it's like, it's like, you know, don't embarrass her, because she, she's just, she is also just a bystander here. Like, just, just be like, Toby, go away, like... Yeah, maybe, Buddy. maybe we're just used to the New Jersey education system. That might be it. Like, maybe we're just, like, we're just built from, like, a more upfront stuff, and now I work in, like, a New York City school district, so, like, forget it. Like, <laughs> like I'm just used to people being very direct and just, like, move along. Like, I don't want you here. Go. That's what I love about the state. I know, right? <laughs> Thank God I live here. 
But um, anyway, the next time we see Toby to and Kendra, Toby is holding Kendra's hand. He's like waxing poetics, and JT's like actually funny this in this moment because like it pans yeah. to like the table, and JT is just like, "Hey guys, I'm still here." I'm sorry. That was a good scene. That my I, my quote that I liked the most from the scene was um, Toby saying, "JT, a point. That's a new one." Yeah. Right. Well, because it's like. Because he does have a point. Yeah. Like, it's just, like, one of those things where it's, it's just JT's getting really third-wheeled, and it's funny, but also kind of like, oh, that's not great. Because, like, you shouldn't be doing that to your friend. I do understand why a middle schooler would do that. I understand why a high schooler would do that. But it's still... <sighs> oh man. I almost feel bad for JT. That's weird. I mean, yeah, I actually kind of like JT this episode. Yeah. That was a weird feeling. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't dislike him at all, that, honestly. Yeah. Because he wasn't being gross. Toby was being gross, so, like... <laughs> the cards on the... They reversed roles. Yeah. Like, Toby was being the gross... Yeah. And, like, yeah. JT was being the sensible friend, pulling him back to Earth. Yeah, well, like, it's also, like, kind of that weird thing where, like, JT is obsessed with the chase and, like, Toby is all about, like, the romance, right? So it's, like, one of those weird things where it's, like, at the end of the day, they're both very toxic, but they're toxic in different ways. Yeah. And this was a way to kind of showcase the way that Toby's mentality is, can lead to this whole entire issue because... Toby, he, like, he's just not listening. Like, Kendra suggests maybe, like, you know, maybe they need to, like, cool it a little bit. Like, maybe this is a little too much. Maybe, you know, it is making JT uncomfortable. The stunt in the classroom was not cool. And Toby then is like, hey, I know you need to work on English, so I made you this clip art hell schedule. Look, it includes kissy faces for smooch time. I, I looked at that schedule, like, I paused it, and I tried to make sense of it, and it doesn't, it didn't make any sense. No, I could not understand a lick of it. Because it's, like, set up, like, a month thing, but yeah. isn't it supposed to be, like, it's, but that doesn't make any sense. You're, you're like, kissing for, like, a week and a half, Toby. I don't know about that one. And also, like, if I'm Kendra, I'd be like, do not kiss me with those gross window lips. Right? Well, it's just, like... It's just like, yeah, no, it, it was legitimately incomprehensible. I could not understand the damn schedule. But the issue with the schedule is not only is it incomprehensible, but Kendra points out that, like, you know, she has other <laughs> things in her life. Like, I don't know, her sports. She's, she says hockey. We see her doing soccer. We see her playing soccer. But she also says hockey. I'm like... Oh man, I can't wait to see that Mason like aggression on the like on the ice. Right. Like I just love that she's just like this anime jock. Like honestly, she was ahead of her time. So ahead of her time. That's me. Gwyn shouting, that's me, as they're washing out dye from their anime hair. Jock, that's me. Because they did not time anything correctly this evening. Anyway. So, so the schedule's incomprehensible, la 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 la. Um, it's further setting up the smothering. And, like, this isn't the first plot that we've had smothering be a subplot, which is interesting. Because we also had... And I, 
Yeah, Sid. I have, oh, um, I just wanted to make a, a comparison because you said earlier, like, it's toxic. Like, he's smothering her. He's only thinking of himself in these situations. And I just felt like, like, like what you were saying, like, JT is toxic, Toby is toxic, and then you also are seeing the other boys as being toxic. Like, that kind of felt like an undercurrent to this whole episode where you're just seeing different ways in which men kind of feel like they can just like assert their uh, their opinions or themselves onto other people. Yeah. Which is like Yeah, I don't I don't sorry. Hey, I'm back. Um yeah, I, I don't think um Toby is is like Oh, I, never mind. Sorry. What Toby's doing is he's 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 not like thinking only about himself is that he thinks he knows what's best. Yeah, which for, we've seen which yeah. we've seen time yeah. and time again. He's he's that he's trying to white knight um in every single instant any kind of relationship that he's in with 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 another with a girl. He thinks that he knows what's best. And you see that come out in that in that I mean, I think you you were talking about this, the calendar. You already got oh, to that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, God, that's the worst. But you see that in, in that he's trying to schedule out her study time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's programming her life, and he's prioritizing what he thinks should be important to her, which is, you should be studying during this time. And making out with me during this time. And making out with me during this time, and... He doesn't know her priorities. Her priorities is that she's 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 the anime jock, as as was said before. <laughs> she she has to she has hockey practice. She she doesn't have time to study for English on that day. But Toby's like, you know, what are your priorities here? You should really be studying. And rightfully, Kendra flips out on him. The other thing to continue your train of thought, Sid, is I have such. Th- this whole idea of, like, talking about toxic masculinity is this weird conversation that has, I think, been in here. Literally, if we look at season two, literally from the first episode, talking about toxic masculinity. And I can't tell how much of it is intentional on the writers that they went out of their way to be like, you know what, this season we're going to do this. And the other thing that I'm struggling with, with this episode, with any of these episodes that I've talked about it, while obviously, like, you know, this is something that impacts boys in many many ways it also makes me unable to enjoy a lot of these guys as characters where it's like on one hand yeah you could probably say it's kind of realistic on the other hand if I was like to rank my favorite boy characters right now it'd be a dog pile for the bottom yeah no I'm but the the thing is like I feel like it I don't think it was intentional but it definitely feels like Toby. Toby feels very real. Like I, I've known multiple Tobys. Oh, me too. And just got yeah. I, but I, I don't think that it was intentional at all. I think that they had some arcs that they wanted to hit, like particularly with Craig, and I think like setting up things like we will talk about in the uh, a plot with Margot. But I think a lot of it is just. They're writing these characters in a way that is kind of natural and real, but young boys a lot of times are just gross and terrible. No offense to uh, to Frank. 
<laughs> I was actually who's, a, who's the only cis, cis man so far I think on the podcast not no, the only cis not man but definitely the only cis head man uh, excuse me the term is cis head <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah Frank have you talked on the podcast how no. you didn't know what cis head meant <laughs> no it wasn't I know what cis head meant I just thought for some reason you were calling me cis head and I didn't understand like, why <laughs> like, 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 a, like a black head that you have to pop not really like a blackhead, <laughs> just like... <laughs> you silly cishead. I was just like, well, that's an odd term. Well, it might not be up on the latest lingo. I'm just going to roll with it. Because <laughs> it doesn't sound like Donnie's saying it to be mean. <laughs> oh, you cishead. <laughs> what do you know? Frank, that's your official name, the cishead. <laughs> well, I was going to say, if I ever get booted off the podcast for any reason, you can just refer to me in the past tense as the F-slur. <laughs> No, like, oh, as in Frank. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. oh my okay. God! I like I was activated some... for like two seconds, and then I realized it was a joke about your name. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's okay. But anyway, um, what I was gonna say was, no, you do have a point because this does. One of the problems of this episode is I, I wasn't as bad as Toby. But I understand Toby, like, from my first relationship, Mm -hmm. in that you don't have the mistakes or the history to think to yourself, I should be talking about this. I shouldn't be thinking, like, oh, I know what to do. Because you're... For me, and I think this is also going with Toby, like, I was scared of screwing it up. And Mm -hmm. I was trying my best. And instead of... Doing the right thing, which now as a 32-year-old man, I know, talk to your partner. Like, make it a two-way conversation, not a one-way. And, like, you know, it's an equal thing between the two. You know, back then I was just like, yeah, I think this is right, and I'm just going to go for it and hope for the best. And it's just, it turns into this just not great scenario for anyone. And that's why I a lot of... First-time relationships don't last because you're not, like, you, there's no open communication because you haven't screwed up to the point where you're like, no, I need to talk about this. It's also, like, this difficult thing that I feel like, as a writer of YA, I'm sure many people have struggled with, where you want to be... Oh, oh it's from my thing. We'll take that part out. Anyway. You want to be... So I feel like it's one of those things where a lot of YA media struggles with this. At least I'm sure any adult writing YA media struggles with in the sense that you want it to be realistic. And, you know, in many ways, I think Degrassi kind of nails how scummy boys can be. On the other hand, it is still fiction and you still want your audience to cheer on these characters to a certain extent. And while there's always going to be antagonists, there are also protagonists. And it's very hard. Like, I feel like it's such a hard negotiation in a way because it's like, on one hand, Toby is very realistic. I have met boys like Toby. I meet boys like Toby well, every day. I mean, I don't think you need protagonists in this kind of show. Not really. This is this is this show operated and has operated on public funding for getting important messages across to teenagers. And I think a lot of young boys needed to see Toby in that relationship and needed to see how that kind of dynamic did not work. But then the counter-argument would be, shouldn't the boys also see a role model in media as well? 
Marco, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, there needs to be more of a balance, but yeah. there does. There, you do need to have examples of how it doesn't work, because then if you, if you just see perfect role models, then it'll be, I think what Frank touched on before is that a lot of boys feel pressured to be like not screwing up in, in their first time relationship. I think any everybody does. Yeah. But if they see like only role models, then they have to be aspire like I have to be only this. I can only be perfect. I guess I just wish to see more characters written with the complexity or at least the the uh, range that like Manny has where Manny did have a moment where she was really, really smothering, but also has moments that you can cheer for her and you can yeah. enjoy her yeah, yeah. And, and all that. I guess I just I feel like very few of these boys actually get those moments and I feel like season one was all about the boys getting in trouble and having consequences. And this season is all about the boys, like, living it up in toxic masculinity town. And I, I, I'm I, beginning to worry that, like, did I just make everything up of every fond memory I ever had of a male character on this show? I guess we'll have to get to the end of the series to find out. Yeah, I, I, I feel that through. way a lot, too. Um particularly with JT and Toby, who I remember liking, mm-hmm. particularly I remember liking JT a lot. And I, I've been watching the episode sometimes along with the podcast and just trying to remember why I liked these characters. And it's very hard. Yeah. It's just the rut. But the thing is, okay, well, let's get there. But I do have a point to make about the end of this B-plot. Okay. So the next time we see Toby, he is in, I guess, like a like guidance class, which I remember <laughs> having in middle school. I didn't like it, but I remember having them in middle school. And this part, he was actually kind of funny because, like, the, the, the person running the class is like, oh, you have to write an essay and you have to talk about your hopes and fears. <laughs> and Toby goes, my fear is that Kendra hates me. My hope is that I die. <laughs> yeah um and i was just like hey look another teacher oh yeah right we're up to five now <laughs> um so then toby decides to go all out yeah wait did we talk about the locker decoration we're getting there yeah <laughs> okay that was actually before that Oh, was it? You are correct i believe. Uh, i mean yeah so the reason why toby's like my fear is that is that, uh, what's her name? Ke- Kendra hates me. My hope is that I die. Is because, <laughs> is because of the locker scene. He pulls scene. a freaking Manny. And Manny. He does the same thing. And Manny's super smug about it. <laughs> it's like, I've traveled, down, I've traveled down this road before, my friend. You're heading down a boulevard of broken dreams. Here's, here's the theme here. Learning from mistakes. Manny learned from her mistakes. <laughs> um, so, Sid, if you didn't watch this episode, Manny went on a date with uh, Craig. And she was just. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they have, like, her perspective, his perspective. Yes, yes. His is just really, really cringy and terrible. True. And hers is, like, flowery, like, this was the best date of my life. Yeah, and and she was doing similar to what Toby was doing and just being smothering with her affection and thinking everything is perfect because she can't see past her own hand. And And she decorates his locker as well. Yep. And that backfires just the same way that Toby's decoration of her locker backfires. It's really funny because like the way that like we really see her her displeasure toward the action is like she just like carelessly 
rips a chunk of it so that she can like unlock Kendra. her. Yeah, Kendra like rips but off. But he also put put it over the lock area. Right, he rookie error. Paper. It's a rookie Toby. error. Anyway, so so Manny Manny like sidles up to Toby as he's decorating the locker and she's like, "You really shouldn't do that. Uh, you're gonna smother her." You should listen to me. I'm a girl on Degrassi, so I'm allowed to get character development. And <laughs> and, and and lo and behold, Kendra walks up and gives gives that like kind of reaction. And as this all is unfolding, you just see Manny in the background just watching this happen with the biggest shit eating grin on her face, so self satisfied that she was correct. And. Then to emphasize the smothering point, Toby gives um, Kendra a pillow with his face on it. Oh my god, yes. God, I blocked that out. What wow. What idiot. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, who... Just how narcissistic can you get? Does anybody want a picture, get, like, as a present of their partner on, like, do you... Excuse Who gives you. a picture of their present? Of uh, I can't even get these words out because it's so bad. Excuse you, Jeff Rosenstock has a pillow with Chris Farron on it, so there is a very small subset okay, of well, people. That is a very special dynamic that cannot be repeated. That's true. <laughs> well, Sandra Eternal. I'm sorry. I mean, my girlfriend has a has a blanket that her mom made with all pictures of her all over the blanket, and I currently am borrowing it and will probably never give it back. Well, that's so, that's different. That's mom, and and like it wasn't created by, you know, oh, no, your partner no. to give to you as a present. You're like, here, you love me so much, don't you? Ugh. I I did see this like thing on uh, Imgur where somebody's like, I was leaving for college, so my family gave me a cardboard cutout of our dog. That's good. <laughs> Just... See, pets are different, though. Like, if someone gave me a blanket and it was collaged of all my rats, like, I'd be so happy. Um, but my favorite part, um, oh, okay, so, I, like, this scene just raises a bunch of questions for me. <laughs> One, did JT make the pillow? <laughs> oh. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> Was JT in on this? I feel like, no. I, uh, I, I mean, pillows are really sew. not hard to make. Well, no, J- we've established that JT is can make a mean pillow. But it wasn't, that's the thing. That was pillow wasn't nice, very mean. It was a nice... Uh, it was well done. It was made out of velvet. Yeah. It's not it the easiest to sew. It. Pillows are the easiest thing in the world to sew. Velvet's not easy to sew. I, well, so. I, I think it happened under duress. And I think, or under protest and arrest. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but also just like JT just cursing the whole, and I cursing, just like this is dumb, this is yeah. dumb with each stitch. <laughs> right, it's just like did, it's whirring, and it's just him yelling, "This is dumb." <laughs> I will say, I did like JT in this episode. Yeah, we were talking about how how we don't hate him in this episode. Which is a very weird feeling. He, he had a he had a very good good dynamic in this episode, which was this is awful, but I'm not gonna say it's awful because he's my friend and I have to support him. Yeah, and that was good, and I like that. Um, but my favorite thing with the pillow is that Kendra looks at it, makes a disgusted face. She's like, "Yeah, whatever." Then underhand pitches it 
into the locker when she gets it open and just, like, moves on with her day. Anime jock, baby. I love it. But yeah, it's just like she's just not having it. Yanks a little piece of the wrapping paper off so that she can unlock her locker. Tosses that that thing to hell where it belongs. Like, not good. Which leads to that other scene in which Toby is just like, I crave death because my girlfriend does not love me. What do? Yeah, and I, I honestly, I think it's missing my notes, but I forget where it happens, but... I just have the note down where Toby, I think, just runs into Kendra in the hallway and oh, just yeah, like when she yells at back. her. Yeah, when she comes you don't back like me. I'm smothering you, and that's all and he says. She, she, right, she rightfully points out that she never said that he was smothering her in her own words. Manny said it. She yep. might be feeling it, but she never accused him of anything. Yeah. Yeah. So so eventually they 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 come in. I don't know. They have another locker confrontation, probably. Where JT is there? Yeah, JT is there. Are we all good with? Yep, yeah, we're, we're okay. fine. We're, we're yeah. figuring it out. Yeah, we're trying to figure out how to mute uh, notifications on Discord. Okay. Yeah, if you heard a little, that's because Discord keeps notifying us. We're at the locker scene again. Confrontations always happen at lockers in Degrassi, and Toby is just accepting that without any comp any conversation with with Kendra that he accepting that they're breaking up because Manny told him he's smothering her but it's it's like that really like manipulative oh you hate me type stuff yeah well, real nice guy stuff yeah yeah she she must hate me now and and JT for once is like being like uh, I don't <laughs> actually I don't think so and Toby's just like he's he's off on another planet he's he's on rejection rejection uh planet anyway <laughs> rejectortron 5 there you go there's there's some some jokes that i can't make apparently um kendra kendra just walks up to this conversation and i love her because her immediate response with um kendra can speak for herself <laughs> i love her she's a mason <laughs> yep like i love her like she she comes off like i 100 percent believe she is raised in the same exact household as spinner like she reads so much as like a, a spiritual successor of sorts to to certain aspects to spinner and like i really appreciate that for all of like the the uh half-assedness uh that like you know these types of shows can be with this type of stuff like I feel like they are really trying to drive it home that, like, yes, these are siblings. <laughs> Their conflict management styles are similar in moments like this. I was thinking to myself, with um, Kendra being the anime jock, why wasn't she the one uh, cross-training Toby? Right. Like, that would make more sense. I agree. And also, she just constantly housed him in wrestling moves. Oh, also, that's a dynamic good. I can get behind. Yeah, I feel like in a couple, if this, if this, well, I feel like if this relationship was in high school, that's what that relationship would be. If they were like sophomores or juniors, like that's what the relationship okay. would be. But they are still in middle school, and Kendra's also a year younger, so she's in seventh grade, so she is baby, baby. <laughs> so I I understand why they couldn't fully explore the dynamic as such. Uh. 
I still think she can kick his ass. Oh, 100% she can. <laughs> um, so, you know, this, this conversation boils to a point where Toby keeps saying, like, oh, you're going to break up with me. You hate me. And Kendra re- says, replies with, st- like, I don't, the equivalent of stop putting words in my mouth. I, I don't hate you. You're just, you're just always, you're always there. Yeah, she specifically says that she doesn't like that Toby just finishes her thoughts. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. that in particular is is something that really gets to her. As, you know, I can't, I don't blame her. Um, and that's, like, the thing that really seems to be her big issue with it, is that Toby, which goes back to our analysis of this whole entire thing, Toby assumes that he knows what is best for her. And... That's just not the way to make someone like her like you. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, he's like, he's like, you can't stand being around me. And she kisses him because. How else can he get through his thick skull? Yeah. Yeah. So this is what I wanted to, um, the now, like, now that I've realized what the ending is, but just like. This is what makes this different for me from a JT plotline or some of the other toxic masculine... Well, no, well, more of a JT plotline is Toby is summarily pointed out as being wrong in this episode. True. Which is what I like about, like, this B-plot. Unlike JT, who is just a slovenly little turd, like, when he goes on that one date with Paige... It always comes back to this. Yeah. It always comes back. Because it's like, it exemplifies this issue. It does, it does. And, like, you know, he gets gets a kiss on the cheek for it. And I'm like, why? Why, like, you know, he's mean to Liberty. He's still, like, he's still in Liberty's good graces. He masquerades as a gay person to avoid having a relationship of any sort with Liberty. (sighs) Period. (laughs) Yeah, let's... JT was better in this episode. Let's leave it at that. And yeah. Let's try and move on from yeah. JT. But, but also, I realized something, and we didn't have a conversation about this, because I edit the episodes alone, and I also name them alone. I was going through the names of our episodes, and they're all about toxic masculinity this season. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just this prevailing theme in this season. And I, I don't... I Like I said, like I don't know how much of this was intentional... But if you look back on, like, most of these plots, and like I said, literally right out of the gate, this is what this season has been like, there has been an obscene amount of discussion of the way that men and boys do horrible things. Yeah. I, I think the B-plot was, it, I, it's not really that bad in terms of toxic masculinity. No. It's just Toby is the seventh seventh grade eighth grade year old boy whatever yeah yeah and he doesn't know how to handle relationships so kendra has to show him and i I think it ends with like you know she kisses him and says i i love being around you just not all the time yeah which is the point of this whole he's he's learning boundaries yeah yeah it's it's boundaries which again and again boundaries of toby (laughs) well like he's very bad at them and like that's the other thing that's also i feel like another thing that he's very bad at them when it's not his own boundaries. Yeah. Because remember that episode with JT where he was the one setting boundaries about yeah. the locker sharing incident? Yeah. And he was very upset when they weren't 
when they weren't met. Mm-hmm. And I was, I'm but a, that's another person. I was also thinking like he's he you know, he interferes a lot. Like he interfered in um, Jimmy and Ashley's relationship. Mm-hmm. Like nobody asked him to, and he's just like, nope, I'm gonna insert myself right in here. Yeah, and, like, I get it, but also it's, like, another one of those things which I don't know if Degrassi's ever going to truly address, which is that while Toby does get called out, it is at the emotional labor of the women in his life. Mm. Like, he gets, it's because, like, Kendra is going to push herself to call him out. Emma is going to push herself to call him out. Like, and I get, that's what life is for a lot of these types of kids like right like it it requires usually like a girl to finally articulate like this is too much but it it does also have that very grading aspect of it where it's like Kendra has had to lead Toby a lot in this relationship to get them to a place that's like okay and it is a bit frustrating sometimes because it just makes me think of like all the boys I had to train when I was in middle school and high school. <laughs> Ain't that life, though? Yeah, it is, because I work with I, middle I schoolers know, I now. I really changes that much. No, because I work with middle schoolers now, and... It does, it changes for me through a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations, by the way. Oh, yeah, so, uh, this is just a little personal victory. I... Ended my group therapy sessions last week. This is our, my first Tuesday I've had off in a while. Um, and I do miss my group members because they're all wonderful. Just get, like, But I'm happy to be moving on because I feel healthy, happy and healthy. So. Yay! Yay! Now, now it's just individual all the way. <laughs> Woo! We're very open about our... our vul- we're very vulnerable here on this podcast because... Why not? Just a space. Yeah. Aw, thanks, Sid. <laughs> we try really hard. My, my sister and I refer to our other podcast as the place for people with too many emotions. Mood. Because we have so many emotions. Good. <laughs> um, so I don't really have too much else about this B-plot. I don't know if you do, Gwen. No, I'm good. Sid? No, I mean, we. I think we've, we've covered it. Okay. okay. And and Sid, I, I know it's hard when you're when you're you know, skyping in or whatever the equivalent is. So do speak up if you want to say something. Yeah, sorry. I I always feel worried. I'm gonna cut you guys off. Just no, like please nasty. cut us off. Please cut yeah. us off. Yes, please. Yeah, please. But um, so let's take a look at our a plot, and this is where the bulk of the content warning is going to. Well, all of the content warning is gonna kick in. So, um, once again, it's going to be talking about homophobia, we're going to be talking about homophobic slurs, um, and of course it has to open up with this uncomfortably homoerotic game of (laughs) basketball, um, you know, you're doing a game of shirts versus skins, which is the most unpleasant name of anything, but I couldn't think of another word for it that wasn't just... That's what it's called. Yeah. That's what it's called. Yeah. (laughs) Like, there's no other way around it. It was just... Oh boy, it was, ugh, it was hazy. You know, if if they love the '80s so much, they should have been playing volleyball, and Highway to the Danger Zone should have been playing. <laughs> <laughs> Volleyball's gay, Frank. I can't play volleyball. Basketball is for men, didn't you know? 
Yeah, I mean, we... they're very they're very into the basketball for us, like Sean and Jimmy in this series. Yeah. Oh God. No, I'm not going to bring it up. There'll be a tangent. No. no. Uh, th- this is this is where we've we've talked about toxic masculinity. This is the opening scene that is just concentrated toxic masculinity. It 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 comes out in many different facets just in this one scene. Yeah. So like they're playing basketball and like I hate saying it's homoerotic because like these are children but like it's meant to be like oh look at them they're shirtless and well it's sweaty it's from Marco's perspective exactly and Marco is like kind of googly-eyed as it's like he's very distracted because because of what's going on and then like right out of the gate we got Sean noticing it and straight up calling Marco the F-slur. And it was so jarring to me. Like, I forgot that this episode just, like, punched out of the gate like that. Yep. And it's, like... And it goes back to that struggle. Because, like, I feel like... It's interesting because I feel like a lot of the develop... I feel like this plot was worked on quite a bit because I feel like the development of how these boys react to homosexuality was pretty laid out from the beginning of this season. I'm not going to say the next last season, but this season, because I feel like we have, at least I have, caught Sean doing things vaguely homophobic for this entire season. Um, and he has made remarks about, like, boys being sweet to each other and, like, threatening, saying, like, oh, like, Craig's talking about how much he loves his friends. He's like, oh, what are you going to do, kiss us? And things like that. So I'm not surprised... But also, it's still incredibly upsetting and makes me mourn. It does feel like a lot and very quickly. It, this episode is interesting because I think there are a lot of like underlying truths to the way that we see Marco's feelings and the way that the boys treat him, but it feels concentrated. Yeah. I think they're really trying mm-hmm. to hit it, hit it home. Yeah. So it, it, it's just hard because... They make so many jokes, and like the the timeline feels like this is maybe a week, so it just feels very concentrated in that short period of time. Yeah, it's weird because a part of me feels like it's concentrated, like very concentrated, but on the other hand, there's a part of me that feels like, at least from, because like you know, I spend a lot of my time not not too much, but like there are some kids that like I am constantly having conversations with. Like you are not allowed to use these words. This isn't like you know. This is not the space to do this. Like, this behavior is unacceptable. And those kids are legitimately, like, every day, every two days, using this type of language, using it toward each other, using it just to, like, just proclaiming it because, like, they're pissed off about, like, a video game and things like that. So while it is very, like, dramatically concentrated, there's a part of me that also is, like, this is a sport, and unfortunately a lot of boys act this way in the middle of a sport. Oh yeah, um, I mean, as as someone who experienced most of my childhood um, as a boy, it and I played sports. I I actually played hockey, so kind of Canadian relevant here. Anyway, um, yeah, it's it, it happens a lot in in locker rooms, etc. The the F was thrown around constantly, especially and, in this era, and especially yeah, in this era, that was a big word and and you know just calling people gay for like no reason as mm-hmm. well or or for reason it was very prevalent and does not surprise me that it's being thrown around in a basketball game especially when it shirts for skins um 
Marco tries to actually deflect this. Yeah, he so does. I, I forget how it comes up, but... Well, the thing is, is, like, I think... They're, like, switching sides or somebody. Somebody wants this, like... Spinner makes, like, a snide remark. Yeah. He's like, oh, like, let's switch sides. And he's like, oh, so now you want to just look at my, like, my body. Yeah, so Marco tries to deflect by saying, you just want to see me naked now. And, like, and make Spinner like, the gay one. And Jimmy's just like, can we just play the game, guys? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to play basketball. And, I mean... Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, I feel like it's, and we'll maybe touch on this later, he's, he's not, he says some things that are kind of questionable, but he, I think he's, he's just ignorant. Yeah. I don't think he's, where we see Spinner and, and Sean have these really homophobic tendencies, Jimmy is just kind of like, he's just ignorant. He's not exposed to it yet. Well, I think probably because Jimmy dated Ashley for a good long yeah. while. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. You never watched, like, any of the first season. Yeah, so, like, in that right. sense, he probably has heard and experienced a fair share of information from Ashley seeing as though her dad is gay, so. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, sure. Even before that, like, yeah. a- Ashley was a crusader, like, yeah. for, you know, for just causes, because, like, mm-hmm. they are still in step and don't believe the hype. That was a Culture Day episode, right? Yes. Where, like... Um, Jimmy's like, this is not right. Like, it's not right that somebody gets stopped because their name just happens to be Osama. Like, yeah. Well, I think also, like, it's, I feel like Jimmy, Jimmy is kind of interesting in the sense that I, I feel my read on Jimmy is that he is being taught to be open-minded, has some experiences with, with marginalized groups, and I mean, is is black as well, so that's also a huge thing in terms of his understanding of marginalization. But I think also there's those little details, like maybe he knows and he's been taught like it's wrong to discriminate against people who are LGBTQ, but he may not necessarily have explicitly met anybody who is mm-hmm. LGBTQ outside of maybe Ashley's dad. You know what I mean? Like it feels very much like a he is able to connect to that narrative and don't believe the hype because he specifically talks about his neighbor, I think. So, like, he understands it and he has a very concrete moment that he's like, this is wrong, I know this is wrong, and I have witnessed something in which my my neighbor was discriminated against. Meanwhile, this is like, I think I know this is wrong, but I don't have a personal connection yet, so I can't fully talk to it. He's yeah. connecting the dots to become, like, a better person. Yes. Or to understand the bigger picture of it all. Yeah, yeah. So, he, he just wants to play, but right now he just wants to play basketball. And he's just <laughs> and, like, this is stupid. I just want to play. And, and so, Marco, doing, he's, he's trying really hard to, like, combat his, his slow realization that he is not straight. Um, so, he just turns around and, like, shoots a three-pointer or whatever, and he's like, yeah, so who's the man now? And it's like we we talked as I mentioned before, this scene is just a concentrated mascu- toxic masculinity scene and where Mark was just trying to perform perform. Yeah. And he shoots this 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 basket. He says, Who's the man now? And Spinner just responds with like, Alright, girls, let's just play basketball because he's had enough with the drama and clearly drama means you're a girl. Oh, Spinner, and this is like a thread with Spinner, and, like, I feel God. like every three lines, it's something to that extent of, like, yep. feminizing Marco mm-hmm. and ostracizing Marco in that sense. It's, it's like, 
I, I, I agree with you, Sid. Like, it's it's very concentrated, but it's, like, in many ways kind of the best way, I feel like, to display different archetypes of homophobia amongst oh, boys. Oh, definitely. And, and I think that's, that's something that's very true in that, like, kids, I don't even know, like, I, it's not even that they're necessarily always 100% conscious of it, but I think kids do pick up on those things. Oh, and, yeah. And they do notice when, if somebody else is queer on, you know, on the queer spectrum, uh, other kids will, like, see that in little ways and maybe not intentionally have that be why they bully them, but, like, that's definitely a factor, and kids are vicious, so. Yeah. And and another reason how this episode kind of tries to hand-wave how, or give an explanation for why it's so concentrated is that, I think Jimmy actually points it out later in the episode, that Spinner is just... He comes with the, up with one joke and just repeats the same joke for like two weeks straight, which is yeah. this this the this this biweekly joke um, theme is Marco is gay and a girl, yeah, and feminine, yeah, and 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 so that's why it's all coming out according to the according to Jimmy, which, which is not a bad not a bad way to explain it, and I, I buy it, yeah, I buy it too, and that people you know kids yeah. do that too, yeah. Especially kids like Spinner. They're not really that funny, but try desperately to be. Oh, God. I'm very one-track one mind. Yeah. But, um, so, anyway, um, now we go to Ellie, which I thought was the B-plot. I really thought that the yeah, A-plot was too. Marco and his issues with the boys, with the Z. And I thought that the B-plot was Ellie trying to seek emotional, like, validation from Marco. I thought that was your A plot and your B plot and that was how that was going to work. And I was like, that's very, very intertwined, but you know what? It That's what it is sometimes. Anyway, that was not the case. This is part of the A plot, I guess. Um, Ellie is trying to get a, a confidence boost from Marco um, because, and she explains, like, you know, she really doesn't care what people think, dot, 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 mostly. But she wants validation from this boy who apparently, like, you know, they had established a couple episodes back, like, have feelings for each other. Um, and Marco is just like, oh, yeah, you're hipper than hip. She's fishing for compliments on how she looks. And Marco's just, like, distracted and gives this hipper than hip. He's, oh, that's embarrassing. Um... And, and and deservedly so, he gets a, a Ellie eye roll in response. And, yeah, no, it's, it's, oh, buddy. <laughs> He's like, you're the tops. <laughs> you got eyes, baby. <laughs> you got a face. <laughs> you know, that whole situation. <laughs> it's great. Love it. But, um, and then, like, it's really funny because as Marco's like, oh, yeah, I gotta go, he, like, walks away and Ashley, like, zooms in. It's like they, like, <laughs> do, like, a weird, weird transition. Ashley just, like, appears. Um, and checks in on Ellie about this and, like, this whole entire situation. Um, and they talk about, like, you know, being good friends versus being good romantic partners. And, you know, Ashley is coming from this, uh, from her, her angle, which is important to keep in mind for this whole entire episode, which is that her dad and her mom have a very good platonic relationship, 
But ultimately, the romantic relationship was not going to work out because her dad's gay. So. Um, and then, yeah. God, I just... I both love and hate Ashley for being that one person. It's like, I read this, so I know everything about it, and I can speak on it. It's like, I have a gay dad, so I can speak on it. I'm like, Ashley... <laughs> You need to learn. <laughs> like, I mean, it's she can speak better on about it than most people, but like, there are levels, dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she. I do. The thing is about her. Like, I actually appreciate that flaw. Yeah, quite I do. a bit. I, I like her a lot in this episode too. Yeah, I like. I like that. That's her kind of big flaw, which is just like you know, she doesn't really live it, but she likes to talk like she did. Yeah. No. I. Like I said, it's a, I have a love-hate relationship where I'm like, I love that I'm seeing this happen because it's such a real thing, but if I was Ellie or, like, Paige in the one episode, yep. I would hate it. <laughs> right, right. It's just like, shut up! <laughs> but, um, anyway, um, our pal Dr. Sally is back. Woo and, woo! That, and that's the whole entire thing. She's so great. She's so great. We've seen her in season one, which led to a pretty endearing episode, a plot, rather, about... I don't remember the whole vibe of the episode, but a really pretty endearing... No, I'm sorry. It's okay. It was a pretty endearing plot about um, Ashley and Jimmy trying to figure out if, you know, it was the right time to have sex or not. Um, But she's back. Um, which, by the way, Jimmy's like, eh, why again? Why? How are we doing this again? And I'm like, after all she did for you. <laughs> you fucker. How dare you? I can't get enough sex education, guys. I, I like, uh, Snake, actually, is, because he's the only teacher in this school, is the one that's doing this again. Well, no, I think he might be. He's, I he's think introducing to, her, I know. I think he's supposed to be, because the class then happens in Armstrong's class, which... Are we just forgetting he's a math teacher? Are we just assuming he's a phys ed teacher at this point? Is this just how Degrassi's hand waving this? He's yes. an everything teacher. He's an everything teacher. But um He's garlic, he's onion, <laughs> he's cinnamon raisin. But like ugh. Um, like Really? Get it everything bagel? Yeah. Is raisin in an everything bagel? No, no it's not. I I'm just, I couldn't, I couldn't remember. So that would be terrible. Yeah. Salt, sesame, poppy. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Like I couldn't onion. remember the other names. <laughs> the other He's in everything bagel. I don't order anyway, them. <laughs> I, anyway. Um, my favorite. <laughs> what I was getting at is I think Snake is supposed to be like a homeroom teacher. Like that's usually a thing that homeroom teachers do, which is like talk about what is on the agenda for the day. So okay. like let's let's assume that's what sure. they were going for. Anyway, Snake Oh my god. So Snake's explaining like Dr. Sally's gonna be back and he's talking about how how they need to, like, be quote-unquote gay positive. Okay, well, to give him, okay, okay, never mind. I was gonna, like, he says more than that. It's like, yeah. always more to learn about sex education. Yeah, How yeah. How to navigate healthy sexual relationships, identities, and then being gay positive. To which... But, like, that's just a weird phrase. Yeah. Anyway, and naturally. And naturally, Spinner takes this because he hears gay positive. Maybe this is why this term never really landed, was because Spinner goes, you mean HIV positive? Why would you say that in a, a high school? You know someone's going to say that. Like, especially when it's like the early aughts when like... Yeah. Anyway, Snake, Snake calls him out and says... 
we have no we have no space for derogatory comments here. But that obviously doesn't follow up with any punishment for said derogatory comment. No, no. Other than, he, like, saying, like, oh, you should no. talk to a guidance counselor. Well, no, no, he doesn't even say that. He's like, oh, that's bad. It's a good thing you're seeing Dr. Sally. Like, um, why don't you intervene, dude? What? Uh, what? has he ever intervened except, like, in his own personal life terribly? Gwendolyn, <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to say anything bad about Snake. Shit, there I go. <laughs> One hour in. Oh, Snake's a fucker. <laughs> Well, I mean, my to be fair, how many more detentions can Spinner get? Just well, throw it on top of the pile. I mean, the thing is, is is if if you actually wanted to address that issue, you would have him do some sort of restorative practice or do some sort of like research or something to make him actually like gain knowledge, not just sit in a room or work with Sheila for another five months. <laughs> he has to talk to Ashley for ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, I have pamphlets. Like, oh, here we go. <laughs> let, me, let me teach you about being gay positive and also HMO. HMO? GMO? GMO. HMO? What's HMO? HMO is like an insurance thing. It's like, oh, God. It's like a really, like, not great insurance. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there you go. Commercials worming their way into my brain, apparently. Oh, my GMO. God. Um, but yeah, like, so as they're leaving the room, Marco does this super tragic hook hand attempt at, like, holding Ellie's shoulder. And, like, I, I'm just, like, I'm doing it in front of the co-hosts who are here. But, like, it's just, like, this sad it's attempt. It's like cover handing? It's like, it's like a, like a... Uh, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Oh, I guess maybe. Uh, uh, uh. It's like this very awkward, stilted motion of him. Like his mind is just trying really hard to like go like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. But his body is like, oh, no, no, it's not happening today, buddy. <laughs> no, no. It's rough. Um, And then we get to the actual Dr. Sally meeting thing. This is amazing. Oh, she's so good. Yeah, I I love Dr. Sally. I forgot about her previous episode, but she's just on point. She's so everything. good. Oh, my God. Because, um, like, you know, the boy, like, Spinner and Jimmy are, like, making, like, hoo-hoo remarks. And, Sal- and Dr. Sally just kind of, like, you know, calls them out, but not in, like, a super mean way. But it's just kind of like a, you know, do you have a question? Like, why don't you ask? And Jimmy asks a question which, like... I, you know, if you, once again, I think this is where Jimmy really exemplifies the ignorant Mm -hmm. side of things, which is just, he asks, like, how can gay guys be attracted to guys? Yeah, what do they get out of it? Yeah, and, like, you know, which is, like, you know, once again, the ignorant perspective, like, he doesn't understand it because he doesn't know that he knows anyone, et cetera, et cetera. And this one's interesting because not, now, you know, now Paige chimes in talking about her brother, which we've known from season one um, that she has a gay brother. And she just brings up that, like, you know, he he always knew and he felt that, like, you know, it's something that he's known his whole entire life that he was... Born this way. Yeah, he's, he's kind of like that, that type of argument. And then... Um, Dr. And th- Sally brings up uh, if it, it, it could be a a gay gene that they, they haven't determined it, which yeah. I, I found yeah. to be a little... Well, eh. 
Well, she she brought that up, but she also gave the caveat of that not all people are like that. Yeah. She did say that, which I was very appreciative for. Yeah, and I also feel like at least cuz like I remember being being a baby gay in this era, and I remember around this time period Newsweek and things like that were doing a lot of like articles about gay genes and trans genes and women's brains versus men's brains and stuff like that. Like, it was a big discussion Mm -hmm. in, like, social science type stuff. Like, this big discussion of, like, is there a genetic reason for being gay? Is there a genetic reason to be trans? Like, you know, and gender and how... And, like, I just remember reading these articles and, like, I didn't fully feel either way about it but it was like my way to get a hold of lgbtq related or adjacent stuff and it worked for me at the time so like i do remember yes i i I remember that that definitely being like a a big wave of like the like lgbt um like topic at the time I think like almost as a way of like oh well if it's a gene and you're born with this gene then you know kind of like trying to get people to accept it from that angle almost yeah yeah I think it was a really big attempt in that sense to like normalize it to a cisgender heterosexual audience it's like yeah it was just a big thing um and so you have so, also, Terry brings up, like, well, Dr. Sally answers that question. She says, you know, some people think it might be. She doesn't buy into it herself, if I recall correctly. She's just like, that's a theory, and, you know, kind of explains it a little bit. Um, Terry then says says that some people say it's a sin. And this is where Dr. Sally gets real as shit, which I loved, which was, what's the real sin? Being yourself or pretending to be someone you're not. Which, wow. <laughs> Holy shit, Dr. Sally. And a microphone yeah. just appears in her hand. She's just like, drop. Right? It's like... Camera pushes in on Marco. Yeah. Yeah. It really does. And, like, that's the thing. It's like, Marco doesn't say anything during this whole entire thing. Which is very realistic. Mm-hmm. I feel like yes. whenever I was in any of these types of scenarios... I was not fucking talking. I was not the one asking any questions. Like, even if they did anonymous boxes in my health classes, I wasn't fucking saying anything. Yeah, because that just opens the door. Yeah. And, like, I was not doing that. So it was interesting to to see. And I think this is where Marco's plot is so gripping for me. Because, like, while I do not have an identical narrative to Marco... There are these emotional beats that really are a very good window into what it was like being LGBTQ during this time period and how it makes me very thankful for the progress that has happened. Like, it makes me so glad that while there are a lot of similar issues and there are still issues with the way that boys react to this type of stuff, and and girls, and anybody, really. Like, I'm glad that I now work with LGBTQ youth that can feel a little safer than Marco did, than I did. 
than other kids that were around that were teens in that time period felt. So it was it was a very very real moment in the midst of all of this very careful staging of questions about being LGBTQ and stuff like that. Um anyway, so um toward we next time we go back, we're getting toward the end of Dr. Sally's thing. Um, Armstrong is going like, oh, by the way, there is a lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender youth group meeting that is happening. And like, I don't know what it was. There was something so agonizing about him saying each identity of the acronym. I mean, he also said transgendered. Well, that's also from the time period. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that was. So it was just another like tick on that. Yeah. Aggravation. Well, it, it really, and like at that point, I can't even fault the writers because I know no, no, that that was, then. yeah, that was like common term at the time period. Um, and as everybody is kind of leaving, um, Ellie talks to Dr. Sally and mostly she's like, you know, like my boyfriend hasn't really wanted to do anything with me. And I was just kind of wondering about that. And Dr. Sally is like, really good about it and she's just like you should talk to him boys get nervous too like doesn't she was like you can take charge of this too like you don't have to wait for him to 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 do something yeah which is great yeah it's really sweet girl power she's great um and of course like you know dr sally is amazing and i love her but then we see... I guess who's not. Yeah. Spinner. Yeah. So, like, which, you know, is a kind of a staple <clears throat> of these types of health classes. Usually, like, the kids get, like, a, you know, personal hygiene bag. Like, deodorant and stuff like that. And, of course, this is a highly gendered experience. Because you have women... Like, you know, you have the girls and the boys. Packages. And Spinner is helping pass them out. And he's, of course, like, oh, hey, Marcy, at Marco. And gives him... Oh, yeah, no, he calls him Marcy, like, three times in this episode. Oh, and what a dildo. He's truly. <laughs> Here's your femme care, he's, is what he says. Yeah, and he just, like, passes it off. Um, and then, like, this he's is like the. Sh- he, like, pushes it into his chest. Yeah, like, he just thrusts it upon him. Um, and then Spinner, Spinner's like, oh, it's a joke. And Marco just, like, slings out that internalized homophobia, and it's just like, oh, like, I hate F-slurs, too, you know. What Ugh. they do is gross. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. it's really painful. It, like, every time they say it, like, it does feel like getting... It's so jarring, it feels kind of like getting punched in the gut. Yeah. Like, because they've never said this word on this show before. Like, at least in the run we've been watching. Yeah. It's, it's very, it's just such a, ugh, like, yeah, we have not heard that word in, in this so far. Um, and even then, it's like, unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, in my working with youth, I definitely have moments where I hear it. Um, a lot of it as much as people hate probably hearing it, really comes from, like, the YouTube video game sphere. Mm. 
Like I've noticed there's yeah. a resurgence of the word. Like there were there was a solid block of time where you would maybe hear it once or twice, but like it wasn't as it wasn't very often. Nowadays, if you really listen to kids talking, especially within the context of sports and or video games, you hear it. And it's really upsetting because I don't want to say the word was on the outs. I don't think a lot of these slurs are ever truly on the outs. But it felt like it wasn't a go-to term for kids as much. And then... Yeah, the, the- there was a whole campaign of like TV ads for like, all, like I think like the late aughts where it was like Wanda Sykes who was like, don't call people gay. Like that's not a joke. And I feel like that like, they were actually like very effective for like that period of time. Yeah. I think, I think also a lot of schools had pretty serious consequences if you said it. Like, I think there were very clear, like you are not allowed to say this. If you walked around in a school, you would find posters about it. Teachers were pretty good at, at derailing it. Not to say that they were perfect, and I'm sure plenty of people suffered during this time as well, but it felt like the collective effort to squash this type of language was happening, and it also felt like maybe it was going to be able to be better controlled. But I'm noticing in the past year or so in particular, it's gotten worse. And it makes hearing this word all the more upsetting because it, it, I can't look at it and be like, well, things are like kind of better because they're not, mm. they're not there's, anymore. There's definitely a, there's definitely a rise in the last couple of years of like people feeling okay in, in being hateful in those kind of ways. Yeah. Openly. Yeah. I agree. It's, we're in a dystopian hellscape. What up everybody? <laughs> Yay. Um, but anyway, before we get, like, too much into that whole entire thing, um, Marco splings out some internalized homophobia. Jimmy is, like, really uncomfortable, which is very interesting. Like, he's very much like, this is not right. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's, once again, I think it goes back to, like, I think Jimmy has an understanding that this type of stuff is wrong. And it really comes out in this moment because he's very much like, yikes. Like, um, but, you know, it still comes out. And the next time we see the crew, Snake is talking about how they're doing, like, a film studies type thing. Um, also, like, nobody knows, and I understand this is, like, a common trope in teen media, but, like, nobody knows how to end a class. Like, everyone's just screaming, like, oh, this is your homework assignment, blah, 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 blah. And, like, I know that that always happens as a teacher, but literally, like, any time they're transitioning, it happens, and I'm like, oh, God. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so Snake's like, oh, yeah, you gotta look at a film. Oh, by the way, you gotta go do this project with the group. Bye! Um, and... And of course he's like, he's like, I guess it's like the end of the day, so they're allowed to still use the computers a little bit. So Marco takes the time to try and look up some of the LGBTQ resources on Dr. Sally's website. And oh my god, I had legitimate anxiety watching this scene because he's Mm. like, he's trying to watch, he's trying to look it up, he's not minimizing the screen. Um... And he's, like, straight up, like, clicking on these things about being LGBT and how do I know I'm LGBT? And then Spinner is coming back and he's trying to reduce the window and he can't do it. And I was really stressed because, like, I have been there. The the title of, like, one of the paragraphs was, like, I think I'm gay. What do I do? Yeah. 
which is... I'm gay, but, what like, do? So, so real. <laughs> well, it's, like, it's very, like, that, um... Scarlet Teen Go Ask Alice website, like, they have a lot of that type of stuff where they just have, like, a lot of teen curated questions, and it's, it's like that. Like, it made me think of when I was, like, on that website growing up and being like, oh, no, I keep looking at girls. Help. Help. What do I do? <laughs> Help me online what resources. What does this mean? What I'm does straight mean? TM, though, right? I could still be straight and do that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. this wasn't a website, but people, and I called them friends at the time, used to leave, Our one of our teachers had a policy that if a note was found being passed in his class, he would read it out loud as a deterrent. Mm. So, mm. these people would leave notes basically saying they were written by me. Oh my god. Yeah, about me questioning my sexuality. So, not quite in the same vein as y'all's stories, but still as nerve-wracking oh <laughs> from sometimes. Yeah, I don't blame you. But... <laughs> What's funny was, I was at the time. Oh, Frank. <laughs> but I didn't, well, I mean, I didn't tell anyone, because I was like, I'm going to work this out and see what's happening. And then I was like, nah, yeah. pretty sure I'm straight, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you well, gave... That's good. That's good yeah. to question yeah. yourself. Yeah. Like, I'm glad that you were able to... That's actually to... really great, Frank. Thanks for telling us that. Yeah, seriously. Because, <laughs> like, I don't know. That's so important, especially at that age, to, like, let yourself be like, I'm going to figure this out, and if it's not what it is, then it's fine, because at least I tried it out. What's, what's funny is now I've gotten to the point, like, when I'm talking to my friends, that they're, you know, well, they'll be like, so, Frank... They've defined my sexuality as Frank is straight. I mean, that's that's what I was like with you when I first met you too. <laughs> to be quite honest, I was like, I have no read on this guy. <laughs> well, that's good because I don't want to like. Yeah. I don't want to like. I I was reading this thing about like not not outing yourself as straight. To kind of like, I know that sounds like a weird thing, but it's just basically like, you don't need to beat people over the head with like, I am so straight, I love women, I love this thing, I love that thing. It's like, no, you can just kind of let it happen naturally. You don't have to be like, no, I'm going to assert this is what I am immediately. Unless, feels... unless you're gay, then you have to. Yeah, like, I feel like I yeah. need to. It's like, it's like <laughs> a pissing contest. Sorry, this, like, so th sorry I was knows. derailing your statement well, no. there. I, it's a very good statement. But it yeah, is. But like, that's what I feel like. Mm -hmm. It's just like withdrawing my own sexuality so there's room for other people's. So, so yeah. That's a very nice, that's a very nice sentiment. <laughs> it is. <laughs> anyway, I'm trans. <laughs> just so everyone knows. Um... <laughs> But, um, anyway. Okay, next? Oh, yeah, movie date. Did I say that, say that I'm gay? I haven't said that at all during this podcast. I feel like it's almost like if it's you're a guest assumed... on this show, like, <laughs> you're, you're, like it's kind of implied. Especially on this episode. Yeah, we weren't going to have, like, there. straight people guest appear on an episode about Marco. Sorry. Sorry any straight person who wanted to be a guest ever. It's like, <laughs> oh, darn. <laughs> I think the only acceptable one would probably be my sister. Yeah. Well, we'll let, we'll let, we let Susie on. Yeah, Susie no, is welcome. Fine. 
But um, anyway, so Ellie and Marco, um, we see Ellie and Marco again. So like Marco, just to reestablish, Marco was looking up LGBT resources. He freaks out. Spinner asks if he's gonna walk home with them. He says no. Um, it's like a really panic-inducing scene. Next time we see Ellie and Marco, um, they're eating gummy keys and talking about like being adventurous with your taste in gummies. Um, and <laughs> Marco. <laughs> Dr. Sal is like, you need clear, concise communication. And I was like, gummy keys. I like the sour ones. Or what about the not sour <laughs> ones? You gotta be adventurous. Anyway, I, I appreciate this attempt. But Marco then Do you like the boy Sour Patch Kids or the girl Sour Patch Kids, <laughs> huh? Takes a handful, shoves them in my mouth, and hopes for the best. <laughs> <laughs> That's the realest thing ever. Right. Um, anyway, so... There... So... Ellie just asks, like, you know, like, what are we, basically? So she's taking Dr. Sally's advice, and Marco's just like, I gotta ask her out on a date. I gotta overcompensate. Well, like, I mean, the thing is, Marco does like her a lot, and that's yeah. very clear. He likes her. He enjoys spending time with Ellie, and Ellie enjoys spending time with him. It's just... Marco's got some shit to figure out, but before he figures that out, he feels pressured to, we like each other, therefore we must be going on a date. Yeah. And, and be boyfriend-girlfriend. Exactly. Um, so, they go to see a movie, which is definitely supposed to be a foreign film. Like, it's, a, it's French. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, they're trying to, like, figure out, I don't know, how to be flirty in a movie type deal. Um... And Ellie tries to, like, slide her hand over and hold Marco's hand. Ellie does the uh, thumb rub, and Marco promptly sneezes. Into his hand. Yeah. So, I mean, it was actually really cute, the handhold thing. You know, Ellie puts her hand out there, and Marco's like, okay, yeah, I'll hold it. And it's cute. And then it becomes too much with the thumb rub. To where Marco is like, I'm gonna subtly sneeze into my hands and make sure she doesn't want to hold my hands. That's not obvious. Right. And then Ellie pulls out one of those miniature um, uh, hand sanitizer things. He's like, damn, foiled again. Right. It was just like, just, you know, a very awkward little thing. But like once again, it goes back to that whole issue, which is just like these two genuinely like each other. They do. Like, they both went, yeah, let's go see a foreign movie. It wasn't, like, a lot of the time we would see that type of thing and, like, the guy would be like, oh, I want to see this, this movie. It's not in English. I gotta read. Like, it's not, like, none of that is a big issue. It's, they both genuinely enjoy it. Um, and the next time we see Ellie, she's with Ashley. Ashley talks about how, like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe Jimmy's going to be at my house for the first time in such a long time, which is kind of weird and, and you know, something worth talking about. Fire enough, Ashley. I, I was just shaking my head because, like, they're going to get back together again. <laughs> You'll just have to wait and see, Frank. Um, my writer's sense is tingling. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Ellie talks about how the date was fun, but they didn't kiss. So Marco doesn't give her a goodnight kiss, doesn't give her a hello kiss. Uh, halfway through the movie, I don't know what to do, kiss, nothing. Um, and Ashley's just like, you think he might be gay? I know because my dad's gay. Like, well, I mean, you know, that's not a bad thing to ask. But Ellie, who is, 
you know, this is, it just feels like she's intruding and this is not her space to say that. So yeah. she responds with, um, from Spinner, I'd expect that comment, but from you, disappointed. Yeah. And like, I get it because it, there is a line kind of being crossed, right? Like, I feel like it, it sucks. Cause like it, for her, that's a very hurtful thing to hear, but it's also, I mean, obviously it's, she needs to hear it cause that is the case, but she could have approached it from a different angle. Like, she maybe could have. you're just such good friends, and, like, maybe he likes you, but he doesn't feel that way. Like, she could have handled it a little better. Agreed. I feel like but, going straight out of the gate going, I think your maybe well, boyfriend is gay is not the way to do it. To be to be fair to her, they've all just gone through Dr. Sally's, like, um, tr- training? Yeah. Lesson. <laughs> that lesson? Anyway, they've all just experienced that as, 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 as a class, as a school. So, like, it's all fresh in their minds. Yeah. So, I really, I don't think this is, a, a, I think this is a very natural conversation to happen, given these circumstances. Um, it's just, it's hard to hear that. Yeah. It's just hard, it's hard to hear yeah. that, really. It is. So, it's one of those, so that happens, Ellie's really upset, um, and I get it, and we see Marco and when Marco is Marco is there with Spinner Spinner tries to continue the Marcy joke cuz Oh they're they're in the locker room this time. Yeah. Oh, locker room talk great. <sighs> but um so Spinner right? So Spinner does like the whole like Marcy joke and Marco's just like yeah but like I have a girlfriend. Um and Excuse me, the and only one with a girlfriend. Like yeah. Ooing. From, like, a crowd of boys that we never see. Right. Like, we just hear disembodied, ooh. <laughs> there's actually a talk show. No, I was going to say there's a talk show audience, like, in the corner. But then I realized the reality of that statement, that there'd be a talk show audience in an 8th grade lock, boys locker room. I'm like, that's weird. Yeah, that's real weird. That's a weird statement, Frank. <laughs> Look, we can't all, not all our jokes can land, guys. That's true. Mine never do, so... Like, it's fine. Um, ooh, shout out to my, sorry, I just looked at my rat and I got happy because I love him. <laughs> um, anyway, so I should not be facing the rat cage. This is a bad idea. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so so Jimmy just doesn't believe it. Um, and Marco tries to be like, oh, yeah, well, Ellie and I kissed for, like, ever. Forever. Yeah. And the weirdest thing is Jimmy's like, did it taste sweet? I'm like, that's a weird adjective. <laughs> that's that's something that someone asks who has not kissed before. Yeah. Although, has he kissed before? He has! Yes. He <laughs> had a girlfriend! Maybe, maybe Ash was just like, sucking on some lemon candy, like, every time before kissing. Jimmy just assumes ev- you kiss every girl, they taste like lip smackers at this point. I mean, okay, in eighth grade, yeah, they grade do. that's pretty <laughs> they true. Do. That's pretty true, especially during then. Lip smackers are real big then. Oh, yeah, still baby. Are. Love lip smackers. Anyway, <laughs> Spinner... <became> tracker. <laughs> what? <laughs> Donnie became our tracker impression. Sean's brother. Our, our tracker our impersonation is just Ronnie from the Jersey Shore. It's the same damn voice. Put on a Taranac. You look like an artist. <laughs> anyway. Um, I just now realized that's probably where Sean learned that, learned that slur. 
Yeah, it's probably Tracker, baby, because I don't think Tracker's progressive. But, you know, that's that's how it is, right? Like, yep. we learn it from somewhere. <laughs> my, yeah, my dad did not tolerate that word. Good. He told me <laughs> to get a little blue. Um, my nicknames were Little Shit and Fuckface, said in the most loving way possible. Of course. But those are my nicknames, but he did not tolerate that word. <laughs> yeah. You're stuck up with the F slur here? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair. Um, so, he, so yeah, like, Spinner, like, calls him out, and, like, nobody really believes him that, like, he, he got it on with Ellie in any capacity. Like. So, naturally. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Sid. Oh, sorry. Um, they, they were, like, talking about bases, and, like, yeah. you're all in, like, eighth grade, like. What base can you really get to in eighth grade? Don't make that. Don't Sid. Sid, remember I work okay, with middle I, schoolers. I I know, and I forget that I come from a background of like being very sheltered and doing nothing. And then whenever people remind me that kids do thing, I do things. I get really like weirded out. And I, mean, I, I don't do too. Know. I mean, mm-hmm. the, yeah, yeah. It, it's worth being weirded out. I mean. The bigger the bigger picture of the whole entire thing is definitely like it's definitely one of those things where like the big picture of it is like kids shouldn't be doing that stuff, but they are. But there is still a sizable population that doesn't, right? And like there is oh, yeah. a a legitimate read of like I think it's fair game looking at those boys going like what fucking bases are you even talking about, kids? Like <laughs> no. Most most kids do not do not get any kind of experience in middle school. It's just it does happen. It does. Well, one of my um, like one of the few lines from Juno that I really like is um, Juno's mom or stepmom saying, um, "I think kids get bored. I think kids have kids have sex." And Juno was a dummy about it. I feel like that kind of surmises everything I need to know about high school sexuality. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, um, so the next time we see Marco, Marco says hi to Ellie, and he just, like, goes up and kisses her in front of the boys. Okay, so, beyond, like, the the homophobia was on a whole nother level for just kind of really bothering me, and... Like, this was, like, several steps below it, but this scene really bothered me. Well, it's it's really hard because it's, like... He's using her. Yeah. yeah. And Ellie, That's like... what it comes down to. Yeah. And, and, you know, the next scene or two scenes later or whatever, that, that'll come up. But let's actually... Let's hold that thought. Yeah. And, like, the thing is, though, is that what to pull away from this scene is, like, Ellie likes it. Ellie's, like, into yeah. it. Because, you know, this I is... I mean, he, he gives her a very sweet line. He's like, you know, I, when we, we had our date late last night and I had a lot of fun and I really enjoyed hanging out with you, but I forgot something. Yeah. And then he kisses her. And, like, that's really sweet. It is. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's and, the thing And, about like, the any girl would want that. You should, I mean, you know. Yeah. If, if they're into that. Yeah. But we, we as the viewers know it's coming from a disingenuous point. And it's... It's uncomfortable, even yeah. if it is sweet. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a very... This, like, this phase of Ellie and Marco's relationship is so tense to me. Because it's, like, this really hard thing where it's, like, he knows how to manipulate her because he does genuinely like her. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, like yeah. the feeling in of itself is he... I wouldn't use... Man- manipulate sounds She's harsh. a pawn. He He's using her for She's protection. a beard. She is a beard. Like, yes, literally. She's is, a beard. Yes. She's... He needs her for protection. Yeah. And I don't want to say he's manipulating her because that feels... It feels like it's detracting from the trauma that he's going through. Yeah. I mean, but also it does kind of go back to that issue, much like with Toby, where, like, you know, you could be doing things wrong and be called out on them, but that doesn't excuse the, the la- like, the emotional labor you've exploited from the women around you. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I do. I do not want to equate Marco to Toby. That's fair. I never That's fair. That. No, I totally understand. I, I think. I think we're being very harsh on on uh, unneededly on on him right now. He's working through a lot. He is. And and this will all get addressed later. And, it, oh. and I th- I really appreciate how this episode handles it. But we will we will get to that. Yeah. So just bear with us. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like. It just bothered me that those three knuckleheads were just staying there, like, cheering him on. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I mean, like, everything You're about the You're supposed scene, to be bothered. Just, oh. <laughs> Yeah. I was like... The episode made made you feel an emotion it was trying to make you feel, which is... It makes it art. <laughs> it does. That it does. I'm so angry. I know. So, so conflictedly angry. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but, um... So, um, what, so after that, um, we go to Ashley's house, Marco and Ellie are cuddling while watching, like, it sounds like a documentary about beavers, um, and then, yeah, watching as a group for some reason. Yeah, well, I think it goes back to that thing that Snake assigned them, so they have to work in a group, okay, fine. But, like, they're, like, watching it, and it's just agonizing um, for everybody else. Like, Terry is in outer space. Jimmy and Spinner are equally exhausted by it. Ashley's Spinner's coming in. Spinner's just passed the fuck yeah, out. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> he, like, wakes up at one point, and, and, like, Terry just tells him to go back to sleep. He's yeah. like, you haven't missed anything. Go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I would have really loved a scene where, like, Spinner's just like, yo, my sister totally slam dunked that nerd Toby. <laughs> Oh my god, that would have been so funny. I would have loved, I would love to have, like, a scene of Spinner just bragging about Kendra and being, like... That would be cute. That would be really good. Um, anyway, Ashley comes in and she has food and everything. Um, I have Spinner makes girl joke, but I don't remember exactly Uh, what he said. Spinner says, like... Okay, so, no, Spinner goes to grab a slice of pizza, and Marco, because he's trying to be hyper-masculine now, because that's, that's how it goes when you're, like, dealing with questioning your sexuality or gender, you just you just default to hyper-masculine um, like, whatever. Yeah. And he's like, no, ladies first. Ladies get the first slice. <laughs> and Spinner's like, oh, well, I guess that's a good thing you got the first slice then. Yeah. Go ahead, take one, Marcy. Because, you know, he's being a... Yeah. Yeah, and then Ellie just, like, starts going toward the stairs. She looks at Marco. But, like, 
Just, sorry, interjection. Yeah. Spinner says this, like this really derogatory comment towards Marco while Ellie is right there. Like, yeah. It's established their boyfriend, girlfriend at this point. Spinner's just like... He's got that one joke for another like eight days. Like, And he doesn't care if... His girlfriend's in the room. He can't he generate care. anything else. He's, that's just all no. he got. He's slowly losing the sweet and tender chunkhead part of his title and just becoming a chunkhead. Yeah. <laughs> Rip. But, um... Sorry, go ahead. So, Ellie um, makes her way toward the staircase. She gestures to Marco to, like, join her. Um... So Marco clumsily is like, I have to get water. And Ashley's like, I can get you it. And Marco's just like, uh, uh, I got, I got, I, I just gotta go. And he goes upstairs and Ashley just goes, I didn't know my kitchen was upstairs. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I that thought was, that was so funny. That was hilarious. He was just very not smooth about it at all. Yeah. It's just like, no subtlety. Everyone knows what's going on. And, well, no, nobody actually knows what's going on, but, like, they're like, oh, they're both going upstairs. Ooh, I wonder what, what's going to happen. Um, and then Ellie leads Marco into Ashley's room um, and tries to kiss Marco, which, like, bold of you to go into your best friend's room to... <laughs> I mean, where else are you supposed to do it, yeah, I guess? Yeah, I mean, so she kisses him and he reciprocates. Yeah. And, you know, she thinks it's going well, and, and it is for the most part. And then they sit down on the bed, and they try and kiss again. Ugh. At which point, I think she, like, tries to reach up for his face, and he shies away. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, that sparks the conversation of, like, art. I, I don't remember what exactly she, she says, but, like, I guess you're not into this as much as I thought you were. She points out that he's shaking. Yeah. yeah. So she looks at his hands, and she says, you're shaking. And I've, I love Ellie so much. She, despite really wanting things to work out, she recognizes that Marco is uncomfortable and upset. Yeah. And she says, you're shaking. Should we go downstairs? Should we stop? Which is incredibly mature. Mm-hmm. And I just really love her. Yeah. And, and then, like, you know, Marco tries to tell Ellie, like, no, you're beautiful. You're attractive. Like, I'm in, like, you know, like, you know, I want to be here. And Ellie's like, okay, but, like, do you think I'm hot? Which a is... A real question. Which is, like, a real valid question. And I think it's a good way to kind of reduce this into a way that I think kids can kind of understand it a little better. Mm-hmm. In the sense that, like, no, you can find women... In the case of, like, context of being a gay boy. Like, okay, you can find women beautiful and you can find them attractive and you can, you know, you can find women to be wonderful... But that doesn't necessarily mean that you, like, are attracted and, like, into them in that way. And I think it was a really good way to kind of set that up that you don't have to, like, hate girls. In fact, you can find them to be quite beautiful, but that doesn't mean that you want to date them. Yeah. And at that point, Ellie actually says, like, do you even like me? Do you even like girls at all? And, oh boy. I mean, Marcos, Marcos... He's a re- he acts this out really well. Um, and there's just a lot of great body language that goes on in this scene where you can see in his uncomfortableness and you can see his, I won't say, I usually say like three brain cells firing, but he's got more than that. He's good. Um, but his, he's, he's getting overwhelmed. 
And he says, like, the most heartbreaking thing, which is just, like, he wants to. I want to like girls. Yeah. And that's, yeah, I, that's... I really love, um, like, this scene in terms of their friendship, because you're just seeing them both be very vulnerable in this way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, Ellie, mm-hmm. Ellie before, like, couldn't really be direct. Like, she was doing, like, the whole gummy metaphor, but, like, she, in, like, this, like, very, like, private space is, like, able to, like, open up and, like, kind of like take the things that like Ashley was saying and, and you know, be like, like, you know, like, is, is this true? But like, not in like an aggressive way. Yeah. She's, I think when we were watching this episode together, Donnie, you said something like Ellie is the friend I wish I had. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Cause, I mean, what more can you ask for? You know, you, you put her through, you know, you're, she's bearding for you and she's still, values you and and cares for you and wants to support you yeah it's It's... i don't know because it's like a lot of the friendships that i had when i was this age um you know people tried their best when they were like straight friends and things like that but there would always be like a little jab so like a lot of things like in my case like a lot of like Girls who were friends with me and were nice to me but wouldn't get undressed in the locker room near me and things like that. And, like, these little, little things that they would, like, find a way to stab you in the face. Um, well, I mean, not in the face. Maybe a little more subtle. <laughs> but, um, but like, they would do little things to kind of, that really you, you look back on now and you're like, wow, that was fucked up. But, like, at the time you're just like, I guess this is as good as it's going to get. So, like... To have a friend that is just going to be like, look, I get it, and I want to support you through this, and there's no, like, she doesn't, she treats him differently, but in a way that is what he needs, which is gentler understanding and things like that, mm-hmm. as opposed to, like, I'm going to treat you differently because I don't like what I see, and I don't like that this is something that's inside you. So it was like this moment that was very, very real for me and really reminded me how much I love these two in particular because I think a lot of it was this projection that I was feeling while watching it at this age. And even now, like, I'm like, damn, like, I wish I had a friend like this. Things would have been not, maybe not easier, but I would have felt heard. I wouldn't have had to, like, talk to internet people as much (laughs) as I did. Not that I hate internet people that I've made friends with but like maybe I wouldn't have spent all those times on the computer and I would have just hung out with a person in person I don't know yeah, it would have been different I, 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 I very much agree as like I I, I, didn't, I also didn't have any friends who like particularly like were like openly like yeah like it's okay to be gay like I think that wasn't like something that was ever really talked about and I definitely like had experiences where other girls my age made points to kind of like talk down to me in a way where they're basically like very openly saying, I think that you're gay and it makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that was like a very like negative, like makes you want to like just hide back in yourself, like experience where like Ellie is very much like, like let's talk about it, like being open, which is like really great. Yeah, and she reaffirms this because she, like, talks to him as, like, the final scene. And she says, like, look, like, I don't mind 
making keeping you safe by kind of acting kind of like a, a girlfriend for you you know bearding basically literally bearding this is just the term of it um i don't know why i keep saying literally but whatever <laughs> she's bearding for, for, um, actually we should define that just yeah quick quick definition bearding is when um game each is a gay man connotation dating a woman to get be okay in societal views as not outing himself as being gay. Yeah. Um, and she says, like, I don't mind doing this, but it can't be forever. Like, I can do it for a little bit, but, like, you gotta, you gotta work on yourself and you gotta, like, make, you gotta have a plan with this, basically. Which is a really she good... She offers to go with him to the group. Yeah. Which I thought was so sweet. Yeah, like, she's genuinely supportive and she's doing this interesting balance that I think that many straight teenagers are not really able to do not that i think that you know they're able to do it because i don't think it's something that can come naturally very easily but she's trying to find a balance between keeping him safe but also allowing him to explore himself and be able to better articulate his identity and i feel that many teenagers go one way or the other right they either are like we're gonna hide this and we're not gonna talk i think most even adults do this too it's like we're gonna not talk about this or we're going to be super duper out. Why aren't you coming out to everybody I know? I don't get it. And it's nice to see yeah. her finding that common ground. Or trying to find that common ground between those she two doesn't, ideas. She doesn't out him. No. Which is huge, honestly. No. And she yeah. doesn't force and him or say that he should be out. Like, why not? Yeah, she, she leaves it all up to him. She is specifically there to support him. Um, I, I want to say two things in a row here. So, first off... I think the next scene, you, you mentioned that she beards for him. Like, they're just talking at a locker or whatever, because, again, lockers. And the boys, with a Z, all come up and, you know, they're, like, cheering at him and catcalling, whatever, because, like, he's with his girlfriend. And the pressure is there that she has to perform being the girlfriend or not, which is a really hard decision after that conversation they just had about him not being certain if he likes her that way. But she just kisses him, which is so selfless, and it was a really, really, just a really sweet, protective gesture. Mm-hmm. Um, saying afterwards, I'm happy to pretend for you, I just, I can't do this forever, she has boundaries, mm-hmm. and, and softly telling him that you shouldn't pretend forever as well. Yep. Yeah. Which is, I mean... Everything about... It's just she's so perfect. <laughs> Honestly, I loved her so much in this. Yeah. She's, um, she's a good kid. She she invites him. She's like, hey, you want to check out that LGBT group? Um, Marco says, thank you, but he is not ready yet. And he says, I'm, I'm just not ready yet, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the episode ends with just... Ellie just saying, okay, well, when you are, I'm here. Yeah. It, it leaves it on this good, open-ended note mm-hmm. that I feel like even coming out narratives, contemporary coming out narratives, struggle with sometimes where it's just like you go right out of the gate, oh yeah, by the way, I'm gay, I'm like, you know, I'm X, Y, and Z. And it feels like, yeah, well, that's definitely true for some people. Like, there, it's nice to see a plot that actually explores like the I don't really know, I'm not fully sure. Because that's so common. Like, yeah. 
Yeah. We live in a society that is so heteronormative that to be able to even question your sexuality at a young age is a big step to begin with. Yeah. And... And Ellie, it, I mean, she, she again, I love her so much. She is so sweet in this. She is putting it all... She is, she is empowering Marco mm-hmm. to make the decisions that he is comfortable making. Yeah. And that's the difference between a lot of coming out narratives is where the people coming out are not empowered. They're forced. They're yeah. under duress. They're under stress. They don't have support. And Ellie is doing all of this to make sure that at least what she can do to support him. Yeah. So, I love this episode. <laughs> so that I guess that leads us to ratings. Frank, what would you rate this episode? Well, actually, I don't, if you guys don't mind, I want yeah. to put in my own narrative as the straight friend. Yes. Yeah, Please sure. Don't. That somebody mm-hmm. comes out to... But, Take out my transition, then. <laughs> okay, sorry. Well, it's just like, because um, I, I do occasionally want to speak to people, like, my, speak, to, speak to my people, the cishet people. <laughs> Let, let's bring it down to the, the cishet people. So, well, for those, I'm sorry? Or, sorry I, I'm sorry, I don't know how, how else to say this, but it's just like, when you're coming from, like, you know, my area of just, like, I don't, this is a, a other people's journey I don't fully understand. The way I, like, the way, you know, we've been talking about it, like, there's two ways, or there, well, there's only really one way to accept somebody, and there's, like, and that, it's, sorry, I had this all planned out today. I'm it, so sorry. It's just, <laughs> like, because people have come out to me before, and the way I've always generally handled it is just, like, it's not, it doesn't become their defining characteristic. It's just, like, I feel like with the uncomfortableness that, you know, Donnie and Gwen are talking about, suddenly, like, there's a second person there, like, and you need to, like, introduce that person to everyone. And, like, they become, like, such a huge topic of conversation. But for me... Like, when somebody, you know, express, like, comes out or says, like, you know, I'm, like, gay or anything along those lines, I just think, okay, so it's kind of like a backpack where it's a part of the person, but it's just, like, a select group of experiences go into that backpack, but, like, they're still just a person. Invisible knapsack, baby! What? Oh, it's a whole you like academic. This. It's a whole academic paper that is like you know your your marginalizations and identity provide you with certain or in this or lack of marginalization provide you with certain with like an invisible backpack of supplies. That's just what it made me think of. Oh, I never heard supplies of and/or baggage. Yeah, I didn't. I never heard of that. And now I'm worried that it's like I'm referencing something bad. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no, no. It's a classic. Good. It's a classic <laughs> part of like understanding marginalization mm-hmm. and but, privilege. But yeah, so that's that's kind of like, that's for me where, like, how, you know, it's just like, okay, well, we'll talk about what's in your backpack when you need to. And until then, we're just going to keep chatting the way we've always been chatting. But, you know, you know it's there, and you accept it. And that's, <laughs> when it comes to, like, 
when it comes to being gay, that's really the only choice there is. Whether you're going to, like, be kind and understanding and be accepting of other people, or you're going to be a D-bag and be a homophobe, like some of the boys we saw in this episode. So, so that's, so yeah, in the end, the straight people are the only ones with a choice as to whether or not we're going to be assholes or not. And I choose not to be an asshole. And I hope you do too. I don't know if that last part's problematic or not. I am op- I'm open to criticism. <laughs> I mean, I think your perspective is just a very idealized version of what it's like, what, how, like, a straight person may react to coming out. I think, unfortunately, though, like, there's a lot more of an in-between. Yeah. No, I definitely, I can see that. I think to have that kind of reaction, you have to already have had someone come out to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the thing. I think that... You have to, it's, you know, we are, we are creatures of experience, and we have assumptions and, and, and stereotypes that we form in our brain, and unless they get broken down, we're going to react a certain way. Yeah. Just yeah. by how society has determined us to react. And it takes a lot of a lot of work to not have a, a response that's been in, to, to break down ingrained responses. Yeah. Some of that work is is failure. Yeah. Yeah. Personal experiences and failure and not reacting the way that you should have and then realizing that later. Yeah. And yeah. you know, that's just part of life. Um yeah. people grow, people learn. And and hopefully, I mean, you know, <laughs> Maybe if you're someone listening to this podcast and you haven't been exposed to these kind of things, maybe you're 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 bypassing some of those experiences just by listening to us talk about it, and that Hopefully. would be great. That would be lovely. <laughs> Not expecting it, but like you know, this. I mean, we are <laughs> we are very small media here, but we are still media, and and representation is always, you know, media is how people learn. To a large degree, especially in the, in the modern era that we're in. And what I appreciate about this episode a lot is, is despite it being pretty old, it's mm-hmm. still got some really great representation out there and, and a lot of nuance that allows people that aren't exposed to these kind of experiences to get some, some exposure. Even if it's not personal, it's still exposure and, and it helps people grow. Yeah. So representation... You can never down. You can you can never um, say it's not important. Yeah, because I mean, yeah, yeah, and I mean, like with Uh, like, yeah, Sid, please. Oh no, I was just gonna say like I I think Donnie will probably say something similar that having watched these episodes at the time that they were airing, they definitely like they mattered even if I didn't know why, but I definitely they they stuck with me. And Marco always was, like, a character I was, like, looking out for. And I didn't know Mm -hmm. why, but, like, seeing that made me feel better, even if I didn't understand it. Yeah. I mean, Marco deeply resonated with me for cultural reasons. Like, he's Italian. I'm Italian. A lot of his fears, especially when it comes to his family and what people think of him and his, like, struggles and overcompensation and stuff like that, like, they hit very close to home. So, like, to have a character who had so much that I could connect with on that level is not the most common, especially when you're, like, looking for LGBTQ narratives. To find somebody who is so close to you at such an influential age is so big. But also, like, in the grand scheme of things, 
Marco, for me as a character, was probably one of the first fictional LGBTQ characters that I was really exposed to that was a kid. Um, I, you know, I'm sure if I really tried to trace back, like, my, I, I mean, not even then, like, because at that point, my exposure to LGBTQ characters, or just LGBTQ as a concept, was through reality TV. Because I was watching, like, VH1 and shit like that during this time period. So, like, a lot of my perception of, like, like the first trans person I ever saw, I think, was, like, Alexis Arquette in, like, The Surreal Life or whatever show she was on. So, like, I was seeing adults through the lens of reality TV as LGBTQ. This was one of the first times that I saw media targeted toward me talking about an LGBTQ character who is within my age group. And I, I'm sure, and I know, he was definitely a lot of people's first exposure to it. Mm -hmm. So to see such sensitivity in how it was approached and see a lot of it, though not perfect, hold up in terms of some of its, especially its gentleness of how this episode ended, is quite amazing, honestly. And what's funny is having never watched this, I had basically not nothing to go off of mm -hmm. like my first exposure to you know lgbtq stuff was in fan fiction yeah and that's really that's why i started kind of loving fan fiction is because like here's stories that i'm not getting otherwise mm -hmm. like because it just wasn't out there yeah yeah it's it's very interesting that this are there problems with it yes but there are definitely aspects of it that I feel like still hold up and show a kindness in terms of how it's talking about being LGBTQ that I think some media creators, a lot of media creators still struggle with in terms of how they write LGBTQ characters. So that's my takes. Sid, do you have any other thoughts about it? Um... I mean, I guess it's just also, it's interesting to look at it now and to see kind of the comparison to all of the media that we have in like most in recent years of teens being gay, which there's so much more representation and it's a lot more nuanced, but I still really appreciate this one because for me, this was my first like experience. And I think shows like this, like really paved the way for what we have now. Yeah, yeah, you can see how it set the groundwork. And I feel like yeah. this goes back to kind of this whole thesis of this show, basically, is, like, looking at Degrassi and, like, what aspects of it hold up, but also, like, how this has, this was such a deeply influential thing and how a lot of content creators, whether intentionally or not, are influenced by it. So, I don't know. It, it hit me. Man, I knew this was going to happen, too. I knew, I knew once Marco was into the scene, I'm like, I'm going to get emo, and that happened. <laughs> At least, like, we're getting emotional about an episode that had a happier ending than some of the other ones we've dealt with. It did. Yeah. And, and, and for once, for once, the ending was not jarring. Yeah. No, it wasn't super <laughs> jarring. It was super it sweet. Was, it was very tender and uplifting and not like... Cut. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you, we need more episodes that end on a hug. Yeah, I agree. Mm. It was a really tender hug, too. But, um, 
Anyway, um, Frank, now, what is your rating of this episode? Well, Marco and Ellie can grab each other's hands and head for the stratosphere, because um, they're rising my estimations for... Still, that slur that Marco said still gets me, but I understand it, so... Oh, no, it's yeah. just, it's, he is, he is recoiling and lashing out because he has to protect himself. Yeah. No. yeah. So that's, that's fine. He's not going to get for any points for that. No, no. Um, meanwhile, those other three chunkheads. <laughs> hey, Sean, remember all that, like, remember all that, uh, you know, ground you recovered last week? No, actually, just Sean and, and Spinner are going down. Jimmy made an attempt. Jimmy was fine. So, Jimmy gets to say where he is, but Spinner and Sean, you're losing a lot of ground, because, fuck, you guys are rough this week. Ugh. Um, Kendra? Superstar. <laughs> Definitely on the rise. <laughs> Love her. Toby? Uh, for learning somewhat of a lesson, you get to rise a little bit. Like a step above JT, <laughs> who has never learned a lesson. Uh, JT, no. no uh, JT they, was tolerable. She gets to take that. Okay, fine. They get to make one step up together. Um, whatchamacallit? Um, Episode who, rating, though. Wait, yeah. Well, uh, Ashley, you were fine. Uh, I mean, Ashley was more than fine. She was trying to help, like she always does, going up a little bit. Um,. Also, that one like retort, that one little joke at the at the end of the episode was really funny. Um, Terry saying roughly where you are. Paige, Paige is on the rise for being proud of her brother. Yeah, um, you can tell she loves her brother mm-hmm. in like the two moments she's mentioned him. Snake is going a half step down for giving Kendra shit for Toby's dumb actions. Mm-hmm. Um. Dr. Sally gets to go hang out in the awesome one-off character lounge, though she's not technically a one-off character because she's been in two episodes, mm-hmm. but she gets to go hang out with Attila, and who is the other dude we really liked? Attila, and um, we really liked, oh, shoot, who's the other fellow? Okay, keep thinking about it. I'm going to keep moving on because I think we all want to, well, it's getting late. I think we want to, like, wrap up this episode. Yeah. Um... Armstrong. Oh, oh, um, Fancy's man. Yes. <laughs> From White Wedding. Yeah. Um, She's a sex worker. She has a man that she goes, that, like, is basically her bodyguard, maybe boyfriend. Who can really pull off, like, a light suit. Like, yeah. I can't do that. Like, yeah. I can't pull off, like, anything but, like, a dark blue or a black. Anyway, um, I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, see. What about Manny? Oh, oh, yeah. Tim, Manny's, <laughs> Manny's always on the rise, but even more so for just... <laughs> I loved her. Being like, Sean, this you're an great. idiot. <laughs> not Sean. No, Toby, Toby, although she's probably thinking, Sean, you're an idiot. Emma was not in this episode. Neither was Hazel. Yeah. I'm just imagining the three of them are off doing... Neither was Craig. I'm imagining the three of them are off doing something better than all this. Probably. Um... Sid, you're a veteran. I know you can't really say anything unless, Frank, are you remembering something you want to add? No, I'm just going to give this episode a an A rank. Nice! Um, it was very well put together. Just 
I, I thought this episode is actually written quite well. It's a jam-packed 22 minutes. Yeah, I, yeah. There's like, a, they cover a lot of like, ground. like eight pages of notes here. It, and it, this is one episode. This wasn't even like a doubleheader. No, it felt like a very effective use of it the was, 22 minutes. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. I, 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 the pacing was good. The writing was good. The character development was good. It was some rough parts, but they were they were still written well. Yeah. It's a good episode. I agree. Who knew Aaron Martin had it in him? I know, right? Well, I, I, if I recall correctly, that guy in particular has once has written some award-winning episodes too. So, like, I don't know what it is about his repertoire, but like, when he's not phoning it in, he's he's there. Yeah. Um, Sid, I know you're a vet, so you can't really speak to character rankings. But Gwyn, do you have any character highlights you would like to give? I mean, I've been around long enough. It's it's whatever. <laughs> we know I, I, who you like and who yeah. you hate by like minute 15 so like yeah you know. there, there's no need for rankings when you're that honest um snake always on the slip and slide down <laughs> Look, he started really high and he's just been like he's just been tripping himself and falling over himself until he's tumbling down to the bottom of that goddamn hill <laughs> wearing yeah. waders for some reason <laughs> he's got a rough couple of episodes the past couple ones it's yeah. true he has it's true um, so let's move on to recommendations where we recommend things that either are tangentially related or just things that we enjoy. Um, my recommendation, which I'm pretty sure, even though I have recommended him, um, I have not recommended this book, I'm fairly certain, which is More Happy Than Not by Adam Silvera. Um, there's a lot of content warnings with this one. Um, it deals a lot with mental illness and suicide and internalized homophobia and stuff like that. So, like, really make sure you you make sure this is a good fit for you. Um, however, it takes the question of, you know, can you change being gay in a way that's kind of interesting and more in a more sci-fi direction. So I recommend picking it up if it's something you're interested in. Um, and... I mean, I love Adam Silvera's work, um, and if you are somebody who enjoys just really thoughtful, interesting YA with a lot of Latinx characters, then he is definitely the guy that you want to check out in terms of young adult writing. Um, so that's my recommendation for this week. One of my rats just gracelessly flopped. <laughs> we all just paused for a second. Um, I'll go next. I think Frank's looking something up here. So I'm going to recommend um, a manga that was it came out in English, uh, translated in English officially, um, not too long ago, maybe six months ago, maybe less. Uh, it's called um, That Blue Sky Feeling. Um, it's a series. This is the first volume is out right now, and it's about, um, obviously there's some content warnings here of just general homophobia. It's a, it's about a kid who gets transferred into a new school and he's just like, he's a pretty happy go lucky kid, generally enthusiastic, but then he gets exposed to, um, this other boy who has a rumor about him being gay. And it's this kid's first time experiencing getting exposed to someone who might be not straight. And it, it is told from this boy's perspective on how he kind of gets to know this character and gets exposed to homophobia and and breaking down these stereotypes that he's grown up with. Um, which I think, you know, fits very in, in thematically with this episode. It's not it's not Marco's experience, but maybe it's something like like Jimmy's experience in this episode, somewhat analogous to that. And it's good. It's good. I'm excited to see where it goes. Sid? 
Oh, um, my recommendation is a comic series that I've been reading called Gumballs by uh, an artist called Aaron Nation. He's a trans man, and his comics are really interesting. They're kind of like an illustrated journal, so they're not like a straightforward narrative. But he kind of goes in and out of different parts of his life of growing up and being socialized as a girl and kind of like his process of coming out when he was younger and then even when he was older in different life situations in home versus work. And he also has like nice little like funny interludes of what I assume are fictional characters who are also dealing with a different uh, aspect of, of being gay and coming out or being accepted. And it's just really, it's really lovely. It's funny and cute. And I just, I just really love it a lot. Nice. Um, I'm going to recommend two things. Uh, the first one is Two Boys Kissing by David Levithan. Um, it's about... Uh, it's about two boys kissing. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, but it, it, has some, it has some flair to it, as I uh, bet a David Levithan book does. I joke, I joke. <laughs> Craig and Harry, they're trying to set the world record for the longest kiss. They're not a couple, but they used to be. Peter and Neil are a couple. Their kisses are different. Avery and Ryan... They've only just met and are trying to figure out what happens next. Both of them worry that something will go wrong. Cooper is alone. It's getting to the point where it doesn't feel things anymore. Um, the trigger warnings for this are suicide attempt, almost rape, bullying, AIDS, and violence. This is what I was looking at before because I mm, realized good. I didn't want to good, recommend this as well without yeah. the trigger warnings. Though I do, I found this on a blog for. I guess, uh, LGBTQ, like, book reviews. And what I like is they actually say, like, which characters are, you know, LGBTQ in it. And what I like about this one, it just says, literally all of them, except the families. <laughs> <laughs> I just um, really like that summary. Yeah, also the context of the, the AIDS content warning comes because, like, there's, like, a Greek chorus. Mm. Right? Like, it's... It has, like, this kind of, like, Greek chorus aspect of it, and the um, Greek chorus is comprised of men who passed away from complications from AIDS, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if you're worried about having to read a book about, like, you know, about someone who's, like, suffering from it, like, a lot of narratives that exist of it, it it's turned on its side a little bit in a way that's kind of interesting. Um, because, I don't know, Levithan does some pretty interesting he's, stylistic things. Yeah, he's such a good writer. I love him. <laughs> um, I've read three of his books. Um, I read about a boy, what, what was it about a boy? Boy Meets Boy. Boy Meets Boy, thank you. Classic. And, um, Every Day. Yeah. But, um, the other one is just kind of more of like, just a fun kind of relaxing thing. It's the curious creations of... Christine McConnell. Have you heard that said? I have not. Um, it's just like... Um, it's just like this... It's a golf puppet show cooking show. But it's also about like found families and whatnot. Because this woman just lives with these two puppets. And then a new like monster shows up. She's like, well, guess what? You're part of our family because you made it here. Oh. Um, and she makes, like, really cool, like, haunted mansion, like, cakes and whatnot. And, like, 
the bones out of pretzel and peanut butter and chocolate. It's just like it's really nice and really relaxing. It sounds great, though honestly. I, I call it a cooking show, though I'm like, I could never do any of that, even though she's giving me instructions. <laughs> um so these are all good. I want I either want to reread all the things I already know about or or check out these things. Um well Sid, you've made it through. <laughs> Woo! Yay! Congratulations. Is there are there ways that people can get in touch with you via social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Sid Sandberg. Awesome. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us here at I Hope I Can Make It Through, you can email us at ihopepod at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Twitter at iHopePod, Tumblr at iHopePod, as well as our Facebook group, I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Feel free to email us, whether it's giving us audio or um, paragraph form clips about how episodes influenced you, characters have influenced you, um, or just, you know, overall thoughts relating to the episodes. Um, we will gladly read some of them or play some of them on air, so please don't hesitate to give us anything. Also, if you're interested in potentially co-hosting, please make sure that you email us. We are more closer to the end of Season 2 than you would expect, so if you are interested in anything that is Season 2 related, please please reach out to us immediately. Um, if you are thinking about season three please look them up and start planning some of the episodes you may want to appear on um but definitely you know keep uh, talk to us we love hearing from you um and we would love to give you our takes on episodes extended thoughts about episodes or just discussions about life in general um we also have a coffee account right now so please don't hesitate if you want to donate um we like to give um, our co-hosts the chance to be compensated for their appearances. Um, we also like to be able to put money toward a better podcast experience through technology <laughs> development and upgrades. Um, so please don't hesitate to toss some money our way. Um, no pressure, obviously. Yeah. We are happy to make it accessible and free for y'all. Um, it's honestly fun every week um, to record, even if the episodes are not always fun. <laughs> um, so if you want to talk to me individually you can talk to me at on twitter at dm is unbreakable um i don't have a twitter but i do have another podcast called um i nearly said i have another podcast called i hope i can make it through <laughs> um, i have another podcast called teen girl talk where i review all kinds of teen media with my sister and gwyn how can people get in touch with you um i'm also on twitter i and my handle is underscore froppy, F-R-O-P-P-Y. Um, yeah, I mean, I haven't brought this up in a while, so I also host, it's not terribly active, but I host a another Twitter account um, just called uh, at transmanga, where I just host um, some recommendations for if you're looking for trans represent, transgender representation in anime and manga. Um, there's a big old list there, and I try and give... Um, any kind of like updates on on things happening with publications, etc. Mm-hmm. So that being said, what about Sid? Sid already gave them. Oh, where was I? 
Not here. <laughs> Washing out your like, hair. I can give you my my Doctor Who fan tumbler. I mean, if you want. Oh my god. <laughs> if you want to. It was timelordscurse.tumblr.com. Nice. Wow. Wow. Throwback. Have you checked out the Thirteenth Doctor yet, son? Uh, I I have seen her her first episode and she's great. If I if I had the energy, I'd revive it for her. um that being said everybody we're gonna try to keep making it through we hope that you're gonna be there with us until next week everyone see ya later bye bye bye